and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld. Last summer, we heard from a listener that our episode on extreme heat helped him avoid a potentially life-threatening situation. While playing tennis, he began experiencing symptoms of heat exhaustion. Thanks to the advice from our guest expert on how to recognize the warning signs, he was able to realize his situation just before reaching the tipping point and recover without requiring any medical attention. That expert was Paul Ura, warning coordination meteorologist from the National Weather Service and longtime friend of the show. Climate scientists are saying that 2023 could become the hottest year on record. With that in mind, we're offering a refresher on Paul's advice for extreme heat preparedness. Let's listen in. Paul, let's start with the basics. What qualifies as extreme heat? It's kind of a hard question because it depends on kind of where you live, especially in the United States. There is no scientific definition of what extreme heat is. I mean, you can't look that up really in a science book and it has the actual temperature numbers to it. So it is regional. Here in Texas, where I am at, extreme heat, you know, has to go well above 100 degrees, I think, for us to say that there's extreme heat. Elsewhere in the country, elsewhere in the world, that those temperatures may be kind of different. It's not just kind of a, a regional thing with the United States, too. It's, uh, there's been um, heat waves and very impactful heat waves and extreme heat sort of conditions across the world. Historically, we've had really, really big heat waves with extreme heat. One of the more famous events that we actually had was back in 1995 in Chicago, where hundreds of people actually perished and died during a mid-July about a, a week's worth of, of extreme heat. So it does honestly depend a little bit about where you are from and what kind of weather you're actually used to when it comes to summertime heat. Well, what are the potential impacts of extreme heat that companies and employees should keep in mind? So first, let's kind of uh, look at just the, the heat problem that we actually have. If you look at uh, all the different weather events that we have in, in, in the world, in the United States, especially in the United States here, the 30-year average actually shows that we lose more people to heat than, than any other sort of weather event. Uh, flooding is actually number two. But heat, we actually lose more than 140 people per year. That's about a 30-year average. Uh, hopefully, the, the newer averages, let me like a 10-year, the numbers are dropping a little bit, but it's still rather high, and it is the highest out of all, our, all of our weather events. So when you look at an employer, obviously, the, the biggest thing, the biggest impact is, can you have a health issue with an employee because of the extreme heat? We see a very large increase in emergency room visits during our heat waves. Just from a business perspective, you also have to think about your building and the infrastructure of what could actually happen during a really, really big heat event. So your property itself and the, the physical building that you are in could actually have impacts from a big heat event as well. And you know, just a little side note, even in our federal building where I'm working right now, this building was built in the mid-90s. It still has some of the same air conditioning units. But yeah, as infrastructure gets older and older, you need to be replacing or at least checking on that AC unit and other sort of cooling ways for that building, especially that, you know, that you're working in. Yeah, it's a really good point. People oftentimes think of heat-related issues for outside workers, not people inside. But if you're inside, it's starting to get uncomfortable. You're not productive. You're thinking about a way of getting out of there or you're doing less work. So you really have to think about it across your entire workforce. Well, what are the symptoms or warning signs of heat-related illness? It seems like that that's pretty important for both employees and their supervisors to understand. 
Yeah. So there's typically two things that happen when you get into that heat danger. If you're a person, um, you have heat exhaustion and you have heat stroke. Typically what happens first is heat exhaustion. I think most of us have, have probably experienced heat exhaustion. It probably happens to me about once, once a week, this time of year, when I go out and try to mow the grass, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, you, you know, if you haven't, um, had enough water, if you haven't hydrated properly, even before you start going outside in this in, intense heat that we're having currently, you know, hundred degree heat, uh, dizziness, you know, being thirsty. Um, sometimes I'll get that. I'll start to get that headache. I'll, I'll call it a heat headache. It's like, I know that I'm not hydrating enough and, and literally you need to be starting to drink and hydrate with non-alcoholic beverages and even non-caffeinated beverages, basically the good old water and the good old sports drinks with electrolytes and stuff. You need to be hydrating well before you even start with the working outside or doing strenuous activities, any of that kind of thing. So, you know, but between the headache and the lightheadedness and the dizziness, those are kind of the first symptoms of heat exhaustion, which, you know, if you stop, you get to some shade, you get some rest, you hydrate, it, you, you should be fine. The next step, though, unfortunately, is where a lot of times we'll have the fatalities, and that is the heat stroke. That is where somebody will actually, you know, maybe someone missed the signs of heat exhaustion. No one was there to kind of supervise. And all of a sudden, someone is unconscious or someone is very confused. So now it's affecting the whole body. It's affecting your brain and everything else. And that's where the big danger comes in, because if you're not getting them calling 911, getting paramedics, getting them to the hospital, that's where that heat stroke could actually become now a heat fatality. So there's some signs out there. You have to listen to your body. You have to know what's kind of happening. And if you're an employer or a supervisor, you need to make sure that people are taking those necessary breaks and almost force it upon people sometimes. A lot of times people just want to work and work. Oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But sometimes you need to step in as an employer and say, no, we're going to have a, we're going to have a break here, go to some shade and, and, and let's take care of ourselves so we can make it through the day. So would you suggest that generally speaking, when it starts getting warmer out, that you should really alter the way you think about hitting targets for projects and things like that, that you need to slow down a little bit? Adjust times, slow down, maybe do more work in the morning and late afternoon as opposed to the peak heating of the day. Is there shade around? I mean, you know, one thing that people don't really realize is that when we take an, an air temperature as a meteorologist, those air temperatures are taken in the shade. So it's 105 degrees outside. That is a shade temperature. So when you're working in full sun, construction site, wherever you are in full sun, add another 10, 15 degrees onto that. So now it's more like 120, 125 if you're standing in the direct sun. So even a simple thing like a shade, a rest area off to the side is going to be very, very important for you to adapt to, or at least make sure that that's available for the employees. Wow. I did not know that. That's actually really, really good to know. You mentioned beyond the individual impacts to people that there were impacts to infrastructure. Can you talk more about that? So a lot of times we'll see, and we actually just kind of saw this from some of our, our recent heat events that we had, like Seattle, Portland, even all of Western Canada, which dealt with a massive heat wave, all-time record temperatures. Several hundred people died, even more up in Canada. You know, in the southern half of the United States, most houses have air conditioning nowadays, but in the Pacific Northwest, it's pretty rare still. So even just taken away from the home issue, right? Now you have infrastructure issues where, look, the roads up there are not used to that heat. So you have asphalt starting to crack. One of the issues that I even recently read about is that the subway systems, well, the rail tracks start buckling, train tracks and also subway tracks and everything else. So now you're talking about mass transportation being impacted because they're having to either repair tracks 
or delay or even shut down entire rail lines just because of actual physical damage to the actual rail tracks themselves because of the intense heat and just areas not not experiencing that sort of heat before. There were issues like the AC issues where school districts had to totally shut down because the AC units were not actually working for the actual school. So you start shutting down schools. What happens? Parents have to stay at home. Parents stay at home. That starts impacting employers. So it, it, it's a domino effect. And especially if areas like in the Pacific Northwest, the, Uni- the northern United States, Canada, other places in the world that just don't deal with that sort of intense heat very often, things aren't adapted. People aren't adapted, but then also the physical roads, concrete, bridges, and other things aren't adapted to that heat as well. Yeah, I mean, you could almost make it similar to a hurricane in that when you're down south on the Gulf Coast in Florida, things are built to a different standard than they are in other parts of the country or world because they have to sustain high winds and constant hurricanes and things like that. And you don't have to build to those standards in other places. Yet we try to treat the entire U.S. monolithically. And that doesn't hold true. And when it comes to heat, it's very much like a hurricane. It's a weather event. And not all parts of the country are able to sustain certain types of heat. Right. And just like we're talking about heat, but you know, the same is true like with the intense cold, like, like we dealt with, with our big cold spell in 2021, where it shut down the entire state of Texas Yeah, and for other parts of the country, they deal with that sort of cold all the time. But our infrastructure is not set up to deal with that type of extreme temperature. So we'll just call it extreme temperatures, right? No matter where you are in the country, if your infrastructure is not set up to deal with extreme temperatures on one end or the other, cold or hot, you're going to have impacts. And while it's not going to happen every year, may not even happen every decade, you need to have a plan in place to, to deal with that sort of impact. Because boy, when it, when it happens, your business will be impacted big time. What can companies expect moving forward into the future when it comes to extreme heat? I think what we're seeing is what we're going to get, if not worse. Just right now, we are, because of climate change and, and everything that's happening on the, on the, in the world globally with the atmosphere and everything else, And I think that is the standard, unless we have something globally happen to cool the earth down. And that can't happen as simple as like a volcanic eruption somewhere in the world. We'll have a really good way of cooling the atmosphere down for years. But right now that hasn't happened. So look for the warming and we're looking for the impact in these longer and more common sort of heat events, droughts, heat impacts are, I think are going to be the standard. So businesses have to get ahead of this right now. Because it's not going to reverse itself anytime soon. So how should organizations prepare for the future? I think employers in particular just need to be able to adjust. Adjust what they typically do. Not only plan ahead and have that heat plan, practice that heat plan, have maybe different thresholds for the plan based off what kind of temperatures are being forecast. Is it going to be a one day sort of heat thing? Or are we expecting a whole week? worth of heat that will get hotter and hotter. And that's typically how these heat waves and very impactful extreme heat events happen. It's not just one day. It's literally a week. It builds upon itself every day, getting hotter and hotter and hotter. I think the employer also needs to be able to adapt as to maybe even what their projects are planned for that week or that month. Can we delay it at all? Can we maybe encourage people to to work more in the morning and try to get as much done as possible before it gets really, really hot? Other things that I think the employers can do planning ahead like this is the summer comes around, make sure all the vehicles, AC units are are working properly, make sure that those are nice and cool locations for the employers to actually be. 
And then also making sure that the employers and any sort of supervisor that is maybe outside watch of the employees, that they're trained on actually how to recognize these these warning signs that maybe someone is having heat exhaustion or the possibility of a heat stroke. Because yeah, you, you can plan for all this, but if someone doesn't recognize the symptom of someone getting to that point where there's going to be a health emergency with an employee, then there's no good there. So there's multiple things that the employer can do. Well, do you have any other tips or important takeaways for our audience on extreme heat before we wrap up? Sure. Everybody's heat tolerance is different. There obviously are people that are more susceptible to heat illnesses, such as infants, children, elderly, anybody with a chronic health issue, people that are obese, all those people will get impacted by heat usually quicker than a healthy adult. So everybody's going to be more vulnerable. If you have a day outside that is even windy, sometimes that wind can actually help in that you have a better evaporation on your skin. And so it's a, it's a cooling effect. So the more impactful days are where it's hot and it's humid, there is no wind and there is no shade or cloud cover. There's now something that's going to be becoming more and more popular. You'll hear more and more about it. It's called the wet bulb globe temperature. It takes into effect direct sunlight and also wind. And this is something the military has been using for decades in their trainings, making sure that when they're training military folks that they're doing it in a safe, safe realm, they'll look at these special temperatures. And so you'll hear more and more about that. The National Weather Service, in fact, is going to be doing more and more outreach, trying to get people to utilize this wet bulb globe temperature in order to keep people even more safe than we've been trying, you know, even just with the heat index. So make sure you have access to air conditioning. Make sure you try to keep cool as much as possible and know those warning signs, just like we've talked about, that simple little, oh gosh, I'm getting a little bit of a headache, you know, is a warning sign. And even things as simple as, man, I've been drinking water all day and yet I have not had to use the restroom. So some of those simple rules can keep you safe during these really big extreme heat events. That's right. That's right. Well, Paul, it's really great to have you back. You're such a great partner to the show and to Alert Media. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Well, thank you so much. I always enjoy talking to you and talking weather safety. Thanks for listening to this refresher episode on extreme heat preparedness. To learn more about Paul and his work with the National Weather Service, click the links in the show notes. We'll be back next week with new expert advice to help you protect your business and people. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.